0: Hey, everybody, this is John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, Mom reviews the BBC morning show satire, this time with Alan Partridge. Let's bring Mom in now. Hi, Mom.
1: Hi, Johnny. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm eager for my shot.
1: Me too. I'm getting mine tomorrow.
0: Whoa, whoa! Now, do you know which one you're getting?
1: I have no idea.
0: Yeah, who cares though, right?
1: I don't have any control over it. What can I do?
0: Yeah, Uh, I want that Johnson and Johnson shot though. Bang! Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I that's pretty common, actually. I was, uh, you know, you read all these things about oh, people, people don't want the Johnson and Johnson shot; they think it's lesser. But I'm just like, I, that's crazy. I want one and done, and now I'm starting to read. There was an article in the New York Times yesterday where it said, oh, uh, people are actually demanding the Johnson and Johnson shot, and there's a there's a very high demand for it. It's like, yeah, because you're you're done. You don't you don't <laughs> have to to wait a month. Uh, I don't find this to be a surprise
1: well I think it's a very confusing issue uh, especially since each state is doing their own thing mm-hmm. um, that's very confusing i uh sort of panicked when I made my appointment and instead of shopping around to see if I could get it earlier uh the the earliest dates that I tried were all filled up mm-hmm. so I just said oh I'll just go to march or, Oh, I was so now, happy. Now here we are. And now here we are, but everybody I know has already gotten one. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I look at it as a competition that I've lost already.
0: As long as you made it to the shot without getting sick, I think you won. Wow. You, okay. you won this past year for sure.
1: But I do plan. I have a very large celebration planned for afterwards, and it. Consists of driving through Wendy's and getting a frosty.
0: Oh, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) You're finally going to let yourself have your frosty, you think?
1: I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Even
0: though they're going to touch the cup while they make the frosty.
1: Well, I'll have my gloves on. I'll have my gas gloves on.
0: Okay. Hey, I just pumped gas earlier today. Um, And the thing clicked... And the tank was already half full, so I wasn't sure how much I needed to put in there. And, I, you know, the handle clicked, and it stopped putting gas in. And I obey the rules. I don't top up. But I put the nozzle back, finished up, got back in the car, and the gauge went up. And it went up to, like, 80%. And I'll tell you, Mom, it was the most. I just kept looking at that gas gauge while I was driving home. And I just, it was the most irritating thing.
1: I can imagine. To
0: be deprived of the satisfaction of it going all the way to F.
1: I agree. Who does that machine think it is to tell you that thing is full when it's not?
0: I guess I should have tried it a little more, but I i always get I nervous and irritated at the people who sit there going click, 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 and the machine's yeah. going clunk, 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 and there's gas spilling everywhere, and yeah. I just don't want to be that person. So I yeah. obeyed the clunk, and uh, it was just like an itch I couldn't scratch on yep. the way back home.
1: Yep. Now you know what it feels like to lose the Academy Award. <laughs>
0: okay. Don't know what that means. I what else is either, on your mind, but, Mom? Uh,
1: well, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. This is a thing that happened this week with, uh, I talked to my sister. She has, she has the strangest collection of friends ever, ever. She has one friend that I, I think I've mentioned before that, that thinks that neighbor, is zapping her at night and he finally moved in the same complex to another apartment because she was always calling the police on him and she sleeps wrapped in uh, aluminum foil and such um uh-huh. what's the and- weird part The really weird part is that no matter where she sleeps, he can find her and zap her.
0: And, um, I mean, I hesitate <laughs> to delve any further into this, but zapping her with what?
1: He just, he, he um, he gives her shocks in her body. Uh, okay. All right, but that's not who I'm told.
0: Oh, wow. This is just the appetizer to the story. Okay.
1: So wow. she has a friend that's um I think she said she's eighty one and she her it was she went to get her car inspected or something. Oh yeah, and sure. They, they took the car in and they came back and they said to her, This is wrong, that's wrong, and they ended up selling her a new car. <laughs> um God, Yeah. This is your and sister
0: or your sister's? No,
1: no, no, no. This is my sister's friend. Okay.
0: Can we put a name on the person so that, uh, how about um, Florence? Like all that. All right. Okay.
1: Yeah. We could use her real name. It's Karen. I mean, my sister doesn't even know how to listen to this podcast. So I feel free to talk about her okay. and her weird so friends. Her
0: actual name is Karen.
1: Her name is Karen. Okay. and she so she leaves the dealership with a new car. And it has all the bells and whistles, and it's uh, bigger than her old car that she loved very much. And she drives it for two weeks, and she decides she just, she can't do it. She doesn't like it. It's too big. She can't learn all the bells and whistles. And as an aside, just let me say that I I feel her pain because my Mm. car has... I'm sure my car has the ability to cook dinner and I still can't even remember how to unlock the doors. So I, I get it. I get it. Um, so she went back to the dealership after two weeks and told them this and they sold her a little Toyota, a small little Toyota, but in the whole process now she came home with a lesser car and she lost $10,000 somehow in this transaction and here is my concern my concern that as as you get older and as i get older i don't want to be that person yeah and i don't know you know what is she supposed to do she's she's alone and what is she supposed to do? How is she supposed to protect herself?
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, against car dealers, who we all need a little protection against, right? I mean, I nobody. Guess, th- yeah. Or very few people feel comfortable negotiating car, buying a car, or servicing a car. Oh, I hate dealing with any of it. Putting gas in a car, I can't even handle. As
1: <laughs> obviously, obviously, but you know, and here's the thing. And this is, I don't mean to cause any controversy in this, but a certain generation of women uh, were brought up to believe that a, a man would always protect you. Mm-hmm. And I think she's from that generation, so she's feeling like he has her best interests at the front of his mind when perhaps he doesn't. Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what to really think about that.
0: You worry about becoming this person.
1: I do, because I, I would walk into a dealership right now and say, Hey, all you nasty word people, I'm not here to be ripped off, blah, 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 blah. I hate everybody first, and then and then I will work with you.
0: Great opener.
1: Well, I'm sure everybody's out to get me first. Yeah, but I Uh, well, I can just I can
0: just hear the sales manager whispering, "Give this woman the best possible price." (laughs) After you come in and give (laughs) give that valediction, holy moly!
1: (laughs) Well, I I don't express that, but you know that's how I go in. Like these people are trying to rip me off. That's how I start off.
0: I think that's how most people go into an auto dealership.
1: So you don't think I I would be in danger of losing that,
0: of losing that edge? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, I do not think you are in danger of losing your edge. I'll put okay. it that way.
1: Um,
0: I think even death will struggle to pry the edge away from you. So.
1: <laughs> okay, that's what I that's what I thought you were going for there, uh, but I wasn't really sure. So. <laughs> That's a, that's a that's a good thing, I think, see.
0: Plus, you got me and your other kids.
1: Well, I know, but if I was going to go and buy a car, which I probably will never do again because I have this car, I... Well, I don't know. Okay. So, you'll come and help me buy a car should I ever be in that position alone and need to buy a car
0: yes uh i'll say it here in public should you ever need to buy a car on your own and you know dad isn't available for whatever reason let's not get into it i will come with you to the car dealership
1: okay in fact i don't even want to go
0: Oh, well, I'll buy you the car then. So you will have... I know Dad's always bought your cars for you. If you ever need me to step into that role and buy you a car, I will do that. Okay. Okay? Deal.
1: Very good. Also, I would like to talk to you about soap.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. You sent me some beautiful soaps for Christmas, Um, uh, one of which is... uh, Furnishing my new studio space here.
1: Well, I sent you hair soap, didn't I?
0: Um, yes, you did. You sent me shampoo bars for the um, for the shower. Maybe they got mixed in, but I have some soaps from Maine. Um,
1: oh, but- yeah, those are different.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. They're nice, huh? Talk to me about soap.
1: All right. Soap has been the focus of the year. Soap, 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 right? And there's bar soap, which I think is fine. And there's pump soap, Mm -hmm. which I like very much. And I just discovered this week, what I really don't like is foam soap. Mm -hmm. It feels like somebody already used it. And it just reminds me of spit every time I pump it out of the cylinder.
0: It's, I'm with you.
1: It's, it's gross.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's too thin. I like that feeling of transforming the blob of soap or yes. the film of soap, if you've used a bar of soap, into the bubbles. When the bubbles are already made for me, I like how you put it. it. feels like somebody's already used it. But, yeah, it just feels thin, and it doesn't feel as much like washing, even though I know it works the same, I guess. Um,
1: but it it dissipates off your skin very quickly
0: it seems to but you know i guess i just trust the soap soap people
1: i don't trust them no i don't really yeah no no, i don't (laughs) but but really i'll never trust
0: those soap people again
1: (laughs) i'm not sure i'm not sure what the point is like if you're too lazy to rub your hands three times or well, I'm not sure the, what the point of I, foam soap is.
2: I don't
0: know either. I mean, I guess it's less liable with the regular pump soap. Sometimes the blob slides off your hand, you know. True. So that doesn't happen with the foam soap. But what irritates me about the foam soap is you can't refill it.
1: Yeah, it's just plastic.
0: Yeah, and if you try to, it's just it's just a world of hurt is what it is.
1: Well, there is a company that, that sells tablets that you can, you know, they sell their own cylinder that you'll never have to buy again and drop a tablet in. You know, I saw a friend of mine put up a post the other day that said, I've never, I've never drunk more water. And so I clicked on it and it's a thing that it has a, its own special bottle. It has a filter. It has uh little packets of flavor and i thought you know what just cut a lemon and drop it in some water and have at it what the hell is all this stuff
0: yeah or just drink water like i find if i have a glass of water at my desk all day i'll drink it right yeah yeah i don't need any special enticement i just need the water to be there In fact, this is making me thirsty. I'm going to get a glass of water right now. I'll be right back.
1: Well, I like my water with uh, a lot of sugar and some fruit flavor (laughs) in it, like orange soda. Oh, you're really gone? Well, what the hell? I personally hate water.
0: You hate water? That's all I heard.
1: Yes. Well, I figured I'd fill up the dead time, but you'll cut this out anyway.
0: We'll see. We'll see.
1: But really... How can you hate water? Well, I don't. I like it. You know, here's what. I drink tea all day. I love tea. I love hot tea, iced tea. I like tea. Water, I, I, I don't like so much, but I do start the day with water and end the day with water. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I know ah, it's good for you,
0: really, uh, self punishment is how I would describe that.
1: <laughs> what it's, do you mean? Well,
0: since you hate it so much, but you used to start and end your day with it.
1: I do. Well, I know it's good for you, so I take my my morning uh, cup, and then I take when I have to take uh, a medication at night. Um, I try to drink a full eight ounces. Then it makes for uh, a not sleep through the night kind of night i have to say but (laughs) it's good for you so go ahead
0: um did we finish on soap now did you say what you needed to say about soap i did okay so soap water what else do you want to comment on mom air light (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) mom reviews the world That's not what the show is. It's Pop Mom. Should we get to our pop culture, Mom?
1: Yes, let's do.
0: This week, Mom and I are talking about This Time with Alan Partridge. Though less well-known to American viewers, fictional broadcaster Alan Partridge has become one of British comedy's most enduring figures since comic actor Steve Coogan debuted the character on a 1991 BBC radio show. Somewhat oafish, a bit cruel... Quite pathetic and completely self-centered, Alan Partridge embodies all the pathos of a has-been TV star who never quite was. On This Time with Alan Partridge, Alan gets a big break as he lands the co-host job on a BBC morning news and chat show, where he strives mightily to ingratiate himself to the viewing public.
2: Here's a clip.
3: Terminal... Yep. What damage they do, why they've not banned it.
2: I was the only bandit you hear in uh, gambling. There's the no one arm bandit in the corner of the bookies. Can we get Ruth up?
3: Hi, Ruth, you're all right. Hi, Jan.
2: <sighs> Pleased to meet you, Ruth. You're welcome. Actually, we have met before. I don't think she can hear me. Yeah, I splashed shandy on her at the Pride of Britain Awards, and she took it quite badly. And from there on, she disagreed with everything I said. And we're back on in five. Weird. Four. Time now to get some answers, starting with why, if this technology is so addictive, betting chains haven't banned it.
3: Well, the only bandit you hear in gambling is the is one the old one old bandit, bandit in, in the, corner the corner of the book a bookie's. You snap? Indeed. <laughs> you must be telepathic. Must be.
2: Ruth Duggan joins us from a Solihull Bookmakers. Ruth, a community ravaged by gambling and all down to one type of machine.
3: Well, not all. It's important to emphasise that. But has it, it certainly played a large part, hasn't That's it? That's right. It's a contraption that some believe has caused a terrifying spike in gambling addiction. Mm.
2: Fixed-odds betting machines.
3: Fixed-odds betting terminals. You'll find FOBTs in every bookie, and each one takes hundreds of pounds a day. Wow. And
2: yet they so rarely pay out.
3: Well, actually, no, they pay out almost every other spin. Which is what makes them so addictive. Exactly right. Okay. Yeah. So the debate now turns to how to discourage punters. Starting with an outright ban. Well, not really. No-one is suggesting a ban as such. But the White Paper proposed a limit to the maximum bet. That's it, exactly. Meanwhile, whole communities are being ruined and, and surely the government has to see that. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Because the fallout has to be costing them money.
3: Well, in actual fact, gambling makes the government more okay. through tax revenue than it costs it. And the Treasury will be reluctant to lose that. Precisely, Jenny. Okay. So, really, it's a...
2: A tightrope.
3: ..a balancing act.
2: Which is what a tightrope is.
3: Well, Ruth, thank Ruth, you.
2: This is a bad thing, right?
3: It's complicated. Certainly. Okay, then
2: it's, uh, it's a significant thing.
3: Well, some say it's not treated as significant yeah. enough. Uh,
2: but in your opinion, now it's, if nothing else, worthy of comment. It's not nothing, it's something. Yes. Thank you. Uh, there'll be more from Ruth tomorrow. I'm off tomorrow. The day after then. The full run
0: to date of This Time with Alan Partridge is available on HBO Max. That's with 7X's. Mom, did this Partridge soar to new heights or did it fail to lift off?
1: Oh, it bombed. Really? Really.
0: You hated it? Really.
1: I hated it. I hated every minute of this. And let me say this to you. We even got a new... Apple TV so that we could watch HBO Max and etc. And this show. Ugh. What this show. Ugh. Do you like it? I love it. No.
0: I love Every, it. This no. show is awesome. Yeah.
1: This show stinks. No way. This oh. show, yes. This show stole. Every stick it could from every good show. It stole Deborah Joe Rupp as Jerry Seinfeld's agent. Remember her? Yes. Saying to Jerry, uh the plane will land here and someone will be waiting for you and blah 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 blah. Remember her? Well the yeah, show st- that was the one show episode. Stole it. That was more than one episode. Stole it. He Alan. Is is from the office? He's Steve Carell. <laughs> he, he's one dimensional. He isn't likable. He's childish and jealous. And where is his soft, likable part? Where is his part that I'm that will balance his obnoxiousness? Where is that?
0: <laughs> um. Well, it's buried pretty deep.
1: I haven't seen it yet, and I've seen four episodes, so... What do you like about it? He's, he's not funny. Oh, After my God.
0: The, I think he's hilarious.
1: And he's not. And he is a one-joke wonder. That's it. He has one joke. I'm inept, and I'm inept. <laughs> I can insult anybody within the range of my voice.
0: I just enjoy him struggling to uh, do TV and to be to be what he imagines to be a TV star and falling on his face again and again. I can't get enough of it. I think that the writing is really sharp and some Uh-oh. of the, some of the exchanges are so um are so snappy. The rhythm can get so quick. Um but yeah, I just I mean to compare him to Steve Carell on The Office again. Like I said in the intro, this is a character who's been around for thirty years. So yeah, um, it's it's all Steve Coogan um, and his creative collaborators, of course. But um, it's a character who's been around. So I, you know, I, I don't really view him as a ripoff. I think he may have, I think he's more influential than influenced. I would say about this character again. And as I said in the intro, in British comedy, you've never heard of him, right? Never. Alan Partridge, yeah.
1: No. In fact, when you suggested the show, I thought he was the uh announcer from the Letterman show.
0: <laughs> yeah, Alan Calter. That's right. <laughs> Not a bad parallel. I kinda like that. Because <laughs> Alan Coulter on the Letterman show over time played more and more of a of a of a weirdo. Yeah. Alan yeah. Partridge isn't really a, a weirdo, although he can be um odd Um, yes yes but yeah both sort of making fun of the whole uh broadcast
1: milieu well the thing that that makes me uncomfortable is that what kind of a producer would continue on with this (laughs) right do you understand
0: i do understand but like it's it's comedy And like, what kind of company would continue to have um, Steve, you know, Michael, Michael Scott on the payroll? Yeah. So I think there has to be a little bit of suspension of disbelief. I get what you're talking about in that some of the moments are so cringy that you just don't know how anybody could possibly go on. But uh, there just always seems to be more room for Alan to be further humiliated.
1: Well, I I never feel like he's humiliated because I feel like he doesn't get even what he's saying. He just <laughs> he just blurts this off. Tell you, I'll tell you who's the real actor in this is his co-host. Yeah, <laughs> she's amazing. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I don't know how she keeps a straight face sometimes. I don't but, know.
1: I don't know.
0: But yeah. Yeah, um, his co host is a good foil because she's, you know, she doesn't really like him, you can tell, but right. she, I like that it's true to television in the sense that when they say, okay, five seconds, you know, they put their masks back on, right? right. Like, so we see the show, um, <clears throat> the. It's called This Time, and it's a fictional BBC morning news show. Um, but then we often see them chatting, you know, when when they're running some piece um, or there's an interview happening in a different part of the set. We'll follow Alan sort of in the behind-the-scenes world. And so, yeah, you often see him squabbling or otherwise creating friction with his co host um but then they're counting down to be back on and they're friendly morning show uh, buddies again. I I love the way they play with that dynamic and the different layers of um the TV show that we're that we're looking at.
1: Well, I also love that she just accepts him. You know, whatever yeah. he wants to to happen during the breaks happens and then she's back on her game. She's very yes. professional and very uh talented in what she does. Uh, you know, it's light, frothy news for the most part. And she's excellent. She He, he doesn't ruffle her at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, well put. <laughs> That's right. She's never ruffled by it. And I, um, that makes sense to me. Like, she's, she's a pro. And I think it also, the underlayer of that is, um, like, she's used to it. This is how TV people are, right? Vain yeah. and childish and screaming at someone because they don't have a glass of water. Um, <laughs> so she creates—she normalizes him in, in a certain way um, that I think is useful for the show in that um, it helps igno- um, it helps answer what you say, like, how does this guy still have a job? I think the answer yeah. is, well, everybody in TV is like this to some degree or another. I think that's what yeah. our behavior gets at.
1: Oh, well, that's interesting. That's interesting because he seems set in stone. He's He is Absolutely. what he is. He's, he's yes. not going to change. He's done it this way for 30 years and he's going right. to continue doing it this way for 30 years. Um, uh, political correctness. Who cares? You know, he's just he's just on his own train track.
0: So let me ask you this: I used to do a character on my video game websites called oh. Pete, called Pete Strackmeyer, and um, Pete Strackmeyer was a past his prime broadcaster. Not a broadcaster, but the his backstory was that he used to make. Um, Uh, like in the early 80s he used to make tip tapes like how to beat pac-man or or whatever Um, and he just never stopped like the world kept moving but pete just kept making these tip tapes um, for video games forever Um, so he's totally out of his time and pathetic but in egotistical and You know, it was a character, I'm sure, even though this wasn't conscious at the time, inspired in part by Alan Partridge and other, you know, I'd worked at The Daily Show. It was sort of in that kind of mode. I just love to spoof uh, the media. You uh, were always uncomfortable with this character. And when I um, had us do this time with Alan Partridge, I wondered if Alan might create some of that same discomfort as Pete Strachmeyer used to.
1: Well, no, because... Pete Strachmeyer was my son (laughs) and you know, I had to talk to my therapist about this because it used to upset me, um, that to see you in that character that was, that I found uh, sad and pathetic. (laughs) Totally
0: sad. Yeah. So,
1: you know, the therapist said to me, well, you're going to have to talk to your son about this. And I think we did talk about (laughs) it. And, um, and then I was uh, I was better about it, but it just made me feel so sad. But but this fella, <laughs> this poor Alan, he has. He, I need to see some humanity from him. I need to see.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: uh, I need to see an old girlfriend that broke his heart or something. He just seems, he seems untouchable.
0: I'm not sure you're going to get that. And I think that it is not in Steve Coogan's uh, style, not part of Steve oh. Coogan's style to give you that. I find Steve Coogan to be a somewhat remote comedian. And uh, he mm. he maintains this distance. Have you seen the, what is it, The Trip? Uh, there's a series of movies called The Trip um, that star Steve Coogan and uh, Rob Bryden. And they just uh, first they I think they travel within England and then there's a trip to Italy and a trip to Spain. And the movie is mostly these two guys just going to fancy places to eat and talking about their lives. Um, There's not a great deal of plot to these movies, but in the film. Go ahead. Are
1: they are they characters?
0: They're versions of themselves. They're playing themselves, but their lives are somewhat. But they're playing themselves. Okay, um, and you know much of Steve Coogan's story in these films, such that there is a story, is about his show business career. You know he's always sort of folding um, show business, not in all his roles, of course, but in a lot of his roles, he's he's folding show business back into um, his comedy, and really to be more specific, his show business neuroses and frustrations uh, become mm. part of his comedy. He's really fascinated with the artifice of show business, in part because he can't—not he can't, but he doesn't tend to completely drop it. He wants to maintain some distance from the audience, and I think this is um, the pathos of Alan Partridge, is he wants to be loved by the audience, but he doesn't really love the audience, and he doesn't want to be—he doesn't even know how to be close to them in a human way. He just wants their adulation and, um, that, that success. That's why I find the character, um, so endearing, despite the fact that, as you say, uh, he doesn't show a lot of humanity. To me, the humanity is all bound up with these showbiz aspirations and it can't get out.
1: Well, I I hear what you're saying and I will give you, uh, a lot of credit for uh, giving him that long leash to get there, but I, but I will tell you that growing up with two people um, that are remote <laughs> makes me feel very uh, insecure and angry when I, when I see it in other people, I. I feel like I would like to demand that you be present with me, and I I resent that. So, see, this is where being a pop critic uh, runs into problems for me.
0: Why every every critic is a human being with their own with their own past and well, their...
1: I know, but they don't say I don't like this character because he reminds me of my father. You know, it's just. I have problems with that. I feel like he's, he's not present. And, um, I, I demand, I just demand that you come into the room and be with me and, and say something human to me.
0: Yeah. Um, I can see that. I don't think it's a failing. I think it's a, I think it's a good thing for a critic to talk about themselves as a, as a human being. So nothing in what you're saying is a departure from being a pop culture critic. Okay, All Um, right. I can see how he reminds you of boo. I get it. Boo is mom's uh, late father. Yeah. I hadn't considered that angle,
1: Uh, but it's definitely there, right?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Like Uh, that
1: self-involvement. I mean, there's just a lot of things that brush up against Oh, I don't know about this guy.
0: (laughs) Well, not only the self-involvement, but the like when something um, interferes with that self-involvement, like in Alan, it just creates this immediate confusion. Like he can't process it,
1: right? Right.
0: And I, you know, I think Boo was the same way. Like, yeah, um, he had his agenda to serve his needs, and if something came in the way of that, it it just didn't quite even register.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, one time he went to the hardware store and bought this great big, great big sort of flashlight beam thing, and he couldn't get it to work. He couldn't get it to work, so we went back to the store and bought extra batteries and changed all the batteries, and then it still wouldn't work, so he just stood on the porch and threw it into the woods, never to be seen again. I mean, (sighs) you know... that. And that's, I could see this character just doing that. Like, yeah. how the hell <laughs> me is Me too.
0: Me too. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll tell you what. I want to ask you a boo question because uh, you reminded me of it, but it doesn't quite have to do with Alan Partridge. So let's wrap up Alan Partridge. What is your okay. grade, Mom, for this time with Alan Partridge?
1: Uh, I gave it a D because I'll tell you why. Daddy loves it. and He laughs at it. And Oh, so...
0: good. I thought he would like it. Yeah. Oh it, man! it
1: makes him happy it makes me happy
0: a d but right. I'm putting it yeah. in the book as an a plus oops no! my hand slipped oh it's an a plus
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> all right whatever
0: okay well I this was a surprise I mean because I love this show and I love yeah. this character just one of my all-time favorite characters um, but I I it was good talk because I do understand um why it didn't um, click with you let me ask you this about Boo because I was thinking okay. about him the other day and I was thinking back with some astonishment about the Christmas where um, <laughs> he showed up and I mean I think he showed up because it was like a blur passing through yeah. the living room <laughs> he showed up, collected his presents handed out some crap from a plastic bag to everyone and then, did
1: everyone get something? Really? Uh, I,
0: I doubt it you know, whatever he could pick up at the Minimart on the way over to our house. Or
1: or the back seat of his car. <laughs>
0: That's right. More likely, yeah. Dug something out of the out of the station wagon, which was um filled perpetually filled with <sighs> junk and clothes and uh Pe- pennies. Pennies pen- on the floor. Pennies under the floor. You lift up the floor mat and you could uh solve the national debt with what he had under the <laughs> floor mat and change. Um, but he comes in and he gives out the gifts. He's super antsy as everybody, you know, everybody has a present for Boo, which he couldn't care less. Um, right, And he's just right. super antsy for the 15, 20 minutes that he's there. And then he says he's got to go see his other family and goodbye. Yeah, yeah. His other family, which who the hell is, who is that? Nobody really knows. What do you... Do you remember that Christmas then? Of
1: course I do. And
0: what uh, what years later, as a kid, I just didn't know what to make of it. What do you make of it years later? I mean, when he said other family, I thought he was, uh, I think it was less of a figure of speech than it actually was, now that I know his life a little better than I did before. But what was going on there?
1: Just. I don't know. I don't know because I, uh, I can only guess at what they offered. It was an audience anxious to hear him talk because, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, he had great knowledge of, uh, uh, of many things really. And if he could find an audience that was appreciative and, uh, Then that that was where he wanted to be. That was where he wanted to be. He wasn't going to stay and eat dinner with us. There was no niceties about him. He was not the least bit sentimental. And I was shocked that that at an occasion such as Christmas, he was just going to blow us off. And yet a part of me thought, why are you even surprised? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and his whole life was was sort of like that. He did whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. But um I started to have hurt feelings about it, and then I thought, don't be ridiculous. You should expect this of him. Yeah. And so there it went. And of course everyone was just as incredulous as I was, so that that sort of <laughs> That sort of oh
0: helped. yeah, it was super weird. But at the same time, even as a kid, and I, you know, maybe I was like twelve, or I, you know, I forget exactly which Christmas yeah. it was. But even as a kid, like the expectations for Boo were pretty low, and. Yes. Did, you know, we didn't really need him to stick around because he was going to bend our ear talking about pole vaulting right. or antique bottles or whatever, um,
1: or track, any kind of track. Yeah,
0: Mom knows this story well, but um, as <laughs> when he was getting, maybe I've told it on the podcast before, but it's sort of uh, it—it's a little bit of a heartbreaking story for me, but it is emblematic of my relationship with him. You know, he's getting on in years. Um, I'm in college. I'm, I'm old enough to think about, you know, legacy and generations of the family and wanting to know more about our history. So I decide I'm going to take boo out to the yard sales and the flea markets, uh, for a day. And we do, you know, we have a pretty nice day. I'm driving him around and he, God, he'd love to look at the, through the flea markets. Um, yeah. and, and, I particularly want to know about his experiences in the war or in the w- war time. You know, he wasn't wasn't really in the war, but and so he talked about that that part of his life a little bit. But then at some point the conversation turned over to his unwritten novel about <laughs> World War II and the and so the last 2 hours of our excursion are just him jabbering about this this story he's made up and then we come back to the parking lot where we met up and i have to sit there for another hour as he just <laughs> relates this entire novel uh, again unwritten only in his head but quite complete in his head and Well,
1: because he's writing it as he's telling yeah it yeah yeah
0: that's right that's exactly right and i just like i started the day thinking oh, uh, let me do something for my grandfather and we'll have family (laughs) bonding. And at the end of the day, I just was so, I mean, you probably remember, uh, I was just totally disgusted, totally disgusted with him.
1: And furious.
0: Because he couldn't care less that I was sitting there. Like, uh, I mean, he cared that a human being was sitting there and a pair of ears was registering the sound waves coming out of his mouth. But that was all I was to him. Oh, God, I was furious.
1: I know. You could have been, are you ready for this? Charlie McCarthy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no wonder he
0: loved Charlie McCarthy so much. It was his ideal person. (laughs) Charlie McCarthy is a ventriloquist dummy, if you don't know. But that um, And Boo had one, had a Charlie McCarthy doll. Yeah, you're right. I'm sure that poor Charlie McCarthy doll had to listen to any number of stories up there. God, oh. terrible. So that we could
1: do, we could do a whole podcast on him. For <laughs> I was sure. just gonna
0: say something similar, but that's a little uh, insight into Mom's dad. Yeah, Boo Morkum. Uh, mom, you got a recommendation for us this week?
1: Well, I don't really. I tried to watch uh, the second season of The Bay, which was so 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 excellent. The first season and this season just just didn't deliver the acting is quite wonderful um and the music is very haunting and lovely but it just did not deliver so i can't recommend that to you i also read a biography of paul Lind by a fan that happened to meet him when she was a young girl and uh it started off it was very kind of weird and personal and then it turned into a book report and i don't know what that was all about, so I can't recommend that to you. Uh, But I am finding out that the more I read about these game show hosts, the more none of them wanted to be game show hosts. They wanted (laughs) to be serious actors, and the the closest they ever got was uh, Summer Stock. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so I don't know if they're happy stories or sad stories. I, I just don't know.
0: Well, that's certainly true of Gene Rayburn, uh, the match game host. And you re- last week you recommended the Peter Marshall Hollywood squares book. Did Peter Marshall also want bigger things for himself?
1: No, he seemed quite happy yeah. with Summerstock and what he did. And yeah. he seemed to have a, uh, an appreciation for what his talent was. Uh, I would say Paul Lynn and Gene Rayburn, neither of them really had an appreciation of where they got pigeonholed if you will yeah uh, as opposed to looking at it as what their talent was what their ability was
0: Paul Lind I know yes really um, you know he left Hollywood Squares at the end of the 70s and um, came back a year later for the tail end of the show's run and um, in my research for a project I'm working on I came across an article uh, from around that time uh Interviewing him, and he sounds totally like he sounds totally dejected. He's clearly not excited to be going back to Hollywood Square. It's just going back yeah. for the paycheck. But um, yeah, yeah, not a not a happy career for him. Not I a,
1: think. right, right. And I'm gonna send all these books to you probably this week, so you'll you'll get them. And uh, some of them are quick reads, and some of them take a little longer. Uh, I'm on to Alan Ludden now, so let's hope.
0: Oh, boy, this don't is, ruin Alan Ludden for me. Cool Good
1: I know. I know. I hear you. Uh, but do you remember College Bowl?
0: I mean, I never saw it okay. originally, right. no, but I'm aware of it. Yeah, I've seen well, it. Well,
1: you'll be very aware of it if you read this book because they are talking about it ad nauseum. Uh,
0: well, nobody remembers it because they never run it anymore. But that was his big, that yeah. password. But I think College Bowl at the time was even bigger um than than password for a stretch. So yeah, he was really known for that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Alright, well that that was all uh, that was all I had.
0: Okay. So no recommendation from uh mom this week. Go outside. Get some sun.
1: Yeah do that. Eat a frosty. <laughs> eat a <laughs> Sorry.
0: Frosty. Yeah this this week's recommendation segment has been brought to you by Wendy's. Hey eat a frosty damn it come on <laughs> that'll do it for this week's edition of pop mom mom and i will be back next week to talk about more pop culture uh what are we going to talk about
1: something interesting something
0: interesting tune in for that thank you for listening if you enjoy the show tell your friends and we love to get email the email box is pop at ological.net talk to us about anything we love you Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom.
1: Bye, Johnny. I love you.
0: Love you, too.